Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. You know what we need to do, you guys, and we forget to do this all the time. (laughs) We forget to talk about Patreon. This is how we make our money, friends. We make our money by making extra content and putting it in a secret place. Well, it's not so secret, actually. Love that you it's, whispered it's it. where you can pay to be our friend. <laughs> <laughs> you get behind the paywall, baby. And we won't our make... friends with benefits. <laughs> right. We won't even make you do rush talk videos to join our Patreon. No, we you won't. You don't have to learn a special dance or nope. anything. Nope, you just have to pony up the cash, baby. Because we'll do a lot of things for $10. Just don't ask Bonnie what she'll do for a Klondike bar, okay? Because that's really kind of embarrassing. Uh, Dude, lactose. (laughs) I know, right? That's true. Whatever she does for that Klondike bar, she's not going to be available for the next few minutes. Unless you have a gluten-free Klondike bar. (laughs) Not gluten-free. Lactose-free. Lactose-free, sorry. Lactose-intolerant video series for people called What Would You Do Because of a Klondike Bar? Run a red light. (laughs) Let the cops chase me for a couple hours. You can give me the ticket in a minute. Let's let me get to my house. (laughs) Let me sit on the shitter while you write it up. Well, because I don't like to, I don't like to dump in public. So, (laughs) so that that complicates that complicates things exponentially. Would we have to like hide the lactate pill like in the Klondike bar for you to eat it? Like you have to like crack it open, crush it up, and put it put it in pudding like you do. Shaker, (laughs) wrap it in cheese (laughs) like a dog. There we go. Put it in peanut butter, Bonnie. There are ways. Wait, but the the cheese is also a problem. (laughs) One thing after another. But the lactate pill (laughs) would be inside the cheese, so it's like cancels each other out, right? Okay. Okay. So anyway, the whole point of this conversation is to highlight Patreon so that you can help us do what we do better because that money is going to help us buy a new mixing board, which we desperately need. So if you can pitch in, we'd be so stoked. So go check it out at patreon.com and type in three book girls. You'll find us there. And if you think we're freewheeling on the regular show, wait till you see the special episodes or hear them rather. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I need to go in and listen to some of the cuts. I don't know what you've left in. I have no some idea. interesting bloopers. <laughs> yeah. I know. I always kind of forget that you guys put, we put stuff there and then I'll be like, oh God, what's on there? What have we said? <laughs> yeah. Nobody else, nobody else has control over that but me. So. <laughs> right. I'll be accepting bribes to remove certain things. So obviously I don't tell anyone I work with about Patreon. <laughs> And Megan doesn't tell anybody she works with about Patreon. <laughs> that was Person an evil tried to laugh. Do me dirty last week. Uh, she's blushing just thinking about it. <clears throat> I thought she was going to drive over there and boob punch you. <laughs> I thought probably, about it. I thought prob- about it. I probably deserved a boob punch for that. I was so tired, man. 
I've never slept through an edit before, but I did <laughs> that week. So we are embarking on the recording of a brand new Patreon episode right after this. So if you're really curious and want to know what we talk about, just to our special members. That kind of sounds dirty if you think about it. Special members. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> our only fans page. Then get on there right. and do the Patreon thing. and. That's where Vonnie's What Would You Do for Klondike Bar would have to go. Would be mm. on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> right. She does most of it from the toilet. <laughs> That's another fetish that could be on my... One picture. What Somebody is it? OnlyFans.com? Yes. <laughs> we'll, I'll, let, I'll let you guys keep the OnlyFans. I'll stick to the Patreon. <laughs> Did you guys see this story, this story about like how some guy to a Taco Bell drive-thru and ordered one of everything on the menu? <gasps> the oh, people God. people behind them waited 40 minutes. I wonder how much that cost. What, 25 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was three, it was around $300 because somebody Ooh. went up to find out what was going on. Like some TikToker went to find out what was happening because she, I guess she TikToked about it. I didn't see it or anything. My husband was talking about it this morning. <laughs> then we had weird conversations like- At the drive-thru. Somebody did that at the drive-thru. You could call ahead and order, I would think. Don't they have an app? Can't like you do that. it on an app? I mean, Sonic has an app. Does no, Taco Bell? We're, we're, you know what? We're missing the entire point. I was going to say that, Martha, because that was what Mr. Keith How irritable bowel. Yeah. No, but why? Well, what do you do with what? the only thing I can think of? And this is this is my dirty pleasure. I watch YouTube constantly. That's the only TV I really watch. I watch YouTube. And there are these guys called the Try Guys. And one of their guys, his name is Keith. And I, I think he's hysterical. And he has this show where he eats everything at Chili's, at Taco Bell, at Red Lobster. <gasps> so now, maybe I know it, was it wasn't him. him because he's already done it. And when they do it, they have a staff member go in and get things a few at a time. Oh. But I wonder if somebody was doing like something like that where they try everything. Or, I can't or, imagine. Or, or maybe somebody is 300 bucks. Maybe somebody won or lost a bet or won the lottery. <laughs> oh, and somebody's like, hey, I got some cash. I'm getting one of everything on the menu. <laughs> or they were really high. Dude, <laughs> that. Yeah, because tacos don't keep. No, they don't. Even 10 minutes after those tacos are made. They're soggy. I'm, I'm like, oh, and now it's past its date. I mean, it's Yeah, but if you're honestly, sitting there for 40 minutes, gross. all the food that you get is going to be cold. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, and congealed. Yeah, Taco oh. Bell is not something that reheats well. I mm -mm. mean. Was he alone? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I mean, it would have been cool if he was like feeding the homeless or something, but it didn't sound like he was a philanthropist or anything. Mm. There, when I was in college, for three years, I worked at the on-campus fast food place. And we had a pizza place and we had hamburgers and Mexican, I mean, we had everything. And I was one of the managers and the people who would come in as you were closing, I, but I had all sorts of grievances. And I was always telling anyone who would listen that I was writing a book. So something bad would happen. And I would be like, and chapter, what are we on? 16, don't come in and order 18 chicken wings when they take 10 minutes to make for each six 
and there's two minutes left before closing. Number 18, please don't ejaculate into the um, ketchup cups. I I had all sorts of chapters about the stupid junk kids, college kids would do because they didn't have any respect for student workers. Don't ejaculate into the ketchup cups. Only the mustard cups. Aren't those ones smaller? They blend and then it seems like mayonnaise. And oh, yeah. oh, Jesus, oh. you're killing me over here. Have you, have you ever asked what's really in fry sauce? That's what I'm talking about, Pat. They come up and ask you, why are there a bunch of tube socks next to your ketchup cups? Oh, my in God. In case you need to make a deposit and not just take a ketchup. I totally never want to eat fast food again now. <laughs> I have a question about, like, food allergies in general. Did people just used to die from this stuff? Or are food allergies more prevalent than they used to be? They're more prevalent. I actually watched a documentary about this, and it's because the farm industry has changed the genetics of the food so much for higher yields and to deter pests and bugs so that they can produce more. And it's not because of like insect insecta, insecticides, insecticides, or anything like that. It's just because over the years, because of the way that they've grown their crops, that the plants have adapted to be hardier. So it's harder for people to digest and it triggers more allergies. Just like with autism or all sorts of other things, like the testing has become better. When you do those DNA tests, they can take those results and you can send it to a food, like a food Mm -hmm. sensitivity place. And they will tell you all the food sensitivities that you have. And I mean, sometimes like you'll be sensitive to something like gluten. And when you stop eating gluten, you don't realize how bad you actually felt your whole life eating this garbage. The only reason I discovered that I had a gluten sensitivity is because I did the freaking Atkins diet to lose weight. And on the Atkins diet, you don't eat any kind of bread. And I was amazed on how much better I felt. And this is back when I was like in my 20s. So it's not even like I can blame it on old age or anything like that because I did it after Tyler was born to lose the baby weight. And I was amazed at how much better I felt just taking sugar and bread out of my diet. There's a food one. There's there's even stuff for genetic diseases that you can do. I mean, well, that, I knew there was for 23andMe because I've kind of been thinking about doing a DNA, DNA test. Did you know that they can weird. do a DNA test to find out about genetic disease in your unborn baby instead of waiting until the baby's mm-hmm. big enough to do that? What is it? The amnio amniocentesis where they put the yeah that the yep. amniocentesis because i have a friend who's pregnant and she's only 13 weeks pregnant yeah and they did a dna test instead of an amniocentesis that and they could so cool. find out if there was any genetic diseases and they could tell you the sex of the baby everything i was just reading that um they're really close to identifying the gene that carries Alzheimer's on it. Wow. So in like the next 10 years, you'll be able to know from that kind of testing whether or not, and you can start doing things earlier to help slow the progression of the disease. I think Parkinson's, they're real close. I mean, I know that they're really close with autism too. If they haven't already done it, I'm not even sure, but yeah, there's all sorts of things that they can find 
on your jeans now. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I had one done a couple, oh, a year or so ago because I had had, in the course of my life, I'd had two different kinds of cancer. And they were like, well, you might have this particular syndrome that predisposes you to certain types of cancer. So they ran a test and as it turns out, I didn't have the syndrome, I just had flat out bad luck. Although in both cases, I was really pretty lucky because they found everything early and, and it, was, it was a simple matter to treat them and move on. But they could look at it and they said, ah, oh, you, ha you have a couple of broken chromosomes, oh. but it's not a whole pattern. It's not this whole syndrome. You just had a couple of random free radicals. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I must have I mean, just- it's amazing yet also- been in, the wrong, in the way of a free radical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those goddamn free radicals. <laughs> Sounds like something a politician would say. Yeah. Free the radicals. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, do you have any radical people in your book this week? I have some really crazy <laughs> people in my book. The book I read this week, believe it or not, is not a historical fiction. What? I know. I found this book called The Truth and Other Lies by Sasha Arango. This had everything that I like in a thriller. It was super dark. People were fucking crazy. And you got to hear the craziness that was going on in the head of the main character. You start out the book straight away, finding out that the main character named Henry, who is a famous author, actually did not write his books. Somebody else did. And also, you find out right at the beginning, he is having an affair with somebody who works at the publishing house. And she is pregnant. So it starts out really great. And of course, right away in Henry's mind, he's thinking on how he can kill his mistress to make the problem go away. Holy shit. Because that's always the answer. Yeah. It's like he has these horrible thoughts that are always going through his mind. I'm not going to say that he actually acts on all of these thoughts. He acts on some of them, but not all of them. But this is the start of the story. And... It kind of goes back and forth and you find out that Henry's mom and dad left his life pretty early on and he grew up in a group home and he was the bully of the group home and he cheated off of people to get through school and if you didn't let him cheat on you off of you he would beat the shit out of you, basically. And so this is kind of how he grew up. And then he talks about how he kind of went into hiding and he was a drifter and he stayed like off the radar for a while. And then he picks up, uh, I want to say her name is Martha, actually. And for a one night stand, stays over at her house and just ends up never leaving and marries her. Now, Martha's a very special person. Of course she is. And she is one of those people that uh, sees everything as a different color. Oh, I've heard of that. That is... Um, I can't... It starts with an S. Uh, Synesthesia? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, she told... You kind of go back and she talks a little bit, or he talks a little bit about when she first told her parents about it, they put her in a mental hospital. So she never mentioned it again to anybody. So she kind of is a recluse because she doesn't like being around a lot of people because of this specialty that she has of seeing colors and everything. But uh, Henry knows about it and he's fine with it. And he 
like helps her out and he knows like what color means what like for instance there was a weasel that was in the wall i can't remember a martin like like a vermin like, like a vermin yeah. oh like vermin okay. like they had a pest that was living in the wall and she talked about how there were lines of gray and that's how she told him there's lines of gray on the roof you need to take care of it and he knew that the lines of gray meant that there was a vermin in the wall instead of like a bird because like the different colors are for the different sizes of the animal i don't know he explains it but it was that was really interesting but anyways back to the plot now that i've taken a very huge u-turn his mistress is pregnant she wants to keep the baby he doesn't want to be found out he doesn't want her telling his wife because of this lie that he's created his whole life on can be easily discovered if everything comes to the surface he's dealing with all of this and then somebody is dies they're murdered they go off of a cliff in their car into the ocean wait a second the guy that wants to kill his mistress is he the same guy that lives with martha he's martha's husband so yeah oh so that's his wife okay right because martha's the one that he went over for the one night stand when he was a drifter and didn't have a home and then never left and then they got married Oh, sorry if i wasn't really clear on this this book is a little confusing when you're listening to it because all of these things are going through his head that is written down but only some of the things happen so you have to kind of interpret what his complete craziness it actually sounds like a book i would like you would yeah. like this book this book is so <laughs> and it's dark and he's not the only crazy person because you've got this you know mistress who's trying to get henry to leave his wife and marry and stay with her for the baby then you have this guy that has the fish shop in town who's a little bit crazy and he gets triggered. He's from Czech- Czechoslovakia and um, I think he might have like what is PTSD because like halfway through it, he like goes crazy, throws himself down the stairs, loses some teeth and does all of this, this shit in... Then you're kind of like, all right, well, he's not a reliable source to find out information from. And another thing that Martha would really like is this does not end in a tidy little bow. (laughs) I mean, it ends in a good way. It doesn't leave you too much on the cliff. It kind of sums up things, but it definitely does not end with a bow. And there's so much more, but I can't really go into too much detail without giving too much without giving all the plot away because there's so many things that happen throughout this book that lead to other things. But you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to give too much away. But this was awesome. You know what? I like this book as much as I like you. Remember you? I like you too, Bonnie. Mm. <laughs> Aren't you so cheesy? It seriously took me a minute. I was like, which you were you talking? Oh, okay. Yeah. Book you. Like when I very first read it, mm-hmm. because I read it like two years before the, the series came out. I'm going to say it's not quite as dark as what you is, but it definitely was a great read. And that was The Truth and Other Lies by Sasha Arango. Martha, you would like it. I'm 
looking it up right now. That's what it looks like. And really, you know, there isn't anything. I know like your thrillers, you like it when you can't figure out the end. But there's nothing really to figure out because the murder happens pretty early in the book. And there's no question of who did it when it happens. Why don't we go with Keith next? Okie dokie. Uh, the book I read this week is called Lucy Checks In by D. Ernst. And this was super exciting because I really wanted to read this book. And then D actually got in touch with us and was like, hey, do you want to read this before it comes out? And I was like, yes. So thanks to D, the author, for sending it to us. This book is about our main character, Lucy. And she is the manager of this huge, glamorous hotel in New York City. She's known for bringing hotels uh, like from kind of an obscurity into uh, being one of the you know, big hotels that people want to stay at. And uh, she is in a relationship with the owner for like at least a year. And then all of a sudden he vanishes and he takes with him like $3 million. So he takes all this money from investors because he was going to open a new hotel. He takes all the money from all the employees' pension plans. And everyone assumes because she's been with this guy and sleeping with him and everything that she knows where he is. The FBI start investigating her. She lost her pension because he absconded with all the money. And she has $100,000 she saved up throughout her life. And she spends all that on a lawyer to get out of this FBI nonsense. And she basically gets blacklisted. So she's this amazing hotel manager, but no one wants to work with her because you know how it is when even when you're kind of being told you're innocent, everybody still thinks you're guilty. So in the United States, she can't find work anywhere. She's at the end of her rope when she is approached by this woman from France and she has a hotel and she needs a hotel manager. And it's in this little city in France called Rennes and it's the Hotel Paradis. And so Lucy's like, okay, well, this is the job I can get. So she takes it. And unfortunately when she gets there, as a hotel manager, she's kind of used to bossing, like telling people what to do. She gets a budget and she like has people paint rooms or she orders nice furniture. When she gets there, it's really run down. It hasn't operated as a hotel since before I think World War II. And uh, basically a bunch of people just live in it for free right now. And they're all people that the hotel owner knows but they're like this little family that live there. And then it's kind of like a barter system. So anybody who's done a big favor for her, she pays them back by letting them live in the hotel. Some of the people uh, work on like repairs. Some of the people work in the hotel, just, you know, kind of the pay dues. One guy gardens to give back to the hotel. But when she gets there- They like moved into like a commune and not a hotel. It really yeah. is kind of like, <laughs> that i mean so she she's thinking i'm going to manage this hotel and her definition of manage and this french woman's definition of manage are totally different so it's basically like oh okay these rooms aren't habitable they need uh like the plat their plaster walls and they need to be repaired and then they need to be painted so the woman's basically like well i'll get you a paintbrush and paint 
And Lucy's like, that's not what I do. And they're like, oh, it is now. And the best thing about this book is that Lucy is knocking on 50. She's 49 years old and it's a romance, which never happens because apparently after you get to be a certain age, you don't find romance anymore. But this one is, which is amazing. So it's all about all, all the things she has to do to get this hotel up and running. Of course, all the people who live in the hotel have these bizarre eccentricities. I mean, one guy, he's just obsessed with gardening and planting things. So, and an, another one is the, the crotchety weird artist that lives in the attic. And he is our love interest. His name is Bing. And of course he, well, he and all the other people. <laughs> nice. I, I heard that. Sorry. God. No, the whole time I was reading it, I just kept thinking that I was like, it's Chandler. No, it's not. It's totally not. But everybody in the hotel, with the exception of the owner, kind of doesn't want people to come to the hotel because, I mean, they like their lives the way it is and nobody's bothering them. Nobody's coming to, like, pluck the vegetables that the weird gardener guy is gardening. So it's very much a book about compromises, about finding love late in life, about navigating those weird relationships. And it it was just so much fun. Plus now I wanna live in France because the descriptions of this little town in France are just amazing. See Megan shaking her head, I don't care. I wanna live in France now because Dee wrote about it and I wanna live in this particular town because it sounds amazing. But yeah, it was a real it was a really great read. I loved that all the characters were older people because I mean life doesn't stop once you hit 30. You don't read about older women finding love or being in relationships or even still, I don't know. It's sometimes it's like romance authors think your parts stop working after a certain age, but they don't. Sometimes they do. But there's hormone therapy for that. <laughs> it seems like and you're right it seems and now like it's a martha commercial there's right? it's it's either the really young or the really old that they write about about finding love again or finding love the first time but it's that middle period that i guess that you're not supposed to yes. date yeah from 30 to 50 <laughs> you're done you're on your own exactly maybe so 55. this was this was just really refreshing about you know a woman who isn't getting what she's expecting out of life. Um, I really liked it. There, There's not like a ton of spice. There's probably like a Megan blush in there, but there's all sorts of awesome chemistry and it's a very slow burn romance. So, I mean, there's just all this amazing push and pull kind of like, will they, won't they? I'll give you stuff, some push but, and pull. My gosh, you guys are dirtier <laughs> than me. What y'all drink today? <laughs> And every time I've talked to Dee in emails, she listens to the podcast and she loves us. She thinks we're hysterical. So I really loved her book. Everybody should check it out. And that again was Lucy Checks In by Dee Ernst. All right, let's do Pat next. I read a book called Future Skinny by Peter, I think it would be Roche, R-O-S-C-H. 
Um, it's a sci-fi book in a sense. It's definitely speculative. The main character is a man who can see visions of the future, but only under very specific circumstances. He is an anorexic by choice. Your body fat is not something he wants. He's described as being, I think, six feet tall, weighs 120. Holy oh, shit, God. that's bad. So the way that he enters into his see the future kind of almost trance states is by binging an ungodly amount of calories. The book opens with a description of him preparing to have one of these visionary sessions. And he goes through a sausage pizza, two 10-piece boxes of chicken, an entire cheesecake. Um, there were several more items besides that. And then as he's getting toward the end of that, he needs more calories quick. And so he drinks an entire bottle of, I think it's French dressing. It's either French or ranch. <laughs> Just gloves straight Blair. down bottle of salad dressing you if really if you have a queasy stomach you probably don't want to read this opening chapter <laughs> he consumes all these calories it throws him into this visionary state and he sees what it, whatever he's going to see they do readings for people and he sees whatever it is and then after the reading is done he is just horrified by what he eats because, as I said, he's anorexic by choice. So he's also bulimic. And there I are. Say, there's so, going to be a vomit yes, session through. coming up. Yeah. I feel like this yeah. is like the trigger warning book from hell. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you have eating disorders, this is probably not a book. And he's very practical about it. I forgot this detail. The first thing he eats at the beginning of all his meals is an entire bag of Doritos so that when he's done purging at the end, he knows when he's done when the orange crap oh, comes back. <laughs> what the it's like, fuck? Oh, I've gotten through the end reading? of all of that. <laughs> it's an interesting book in that it follows, there are two types of chapters and you alternate between them. Half of them are regular descriptive chapters that talk about how he's proceeding with these readings. And he is accompanied by a woman named Lillian and sometimes her young daughter you get the feeling is about five or six lillian is the either wife or girlfriend partner of some sort of this guy who's apparently a crime boss and he has hired the main character to see into the future to see like to find out who in his organization is trying to cheat him and then when he finds that out through this guy's readings he kills them. So the guy is pretty conflicted about the fact that he's basically giving information that's leading to people's deaths. He and Lillian are on the run from David, that's the crime boss, but David keeps tracking them down. He, he catches them. There's So there's more and more pressure about David wanting him to see stuff very specifically in the future that's going to further his crime wave and him trying to not get other people killed those chapters alternate with chapters they're transcriptions of interviews and in those interviews the main character is in some kind of a facility where he is being treated for eating disorders but they're also wanting to study his ability as a seer of the future and so they're they're tracking things and this it's like well does your ability to see the future hinge on 
purging afterwards. So if you don't purge, do you still have the vision? And you get these, so you get these interviews interspersed and you don't know exactly what the time relationship is between the story that's told in the regular narrative chapters and what you're finding out in the interviews. So it's clearly everything is coming to a head. There's a fair amount of tension in the book because you don't know quite what kind of criminal stuff David does. You don't know, but you get the feeling it's something really bad. People obviously, I mean, he kills people without a second thought if he's, so he's some kind of major crime boss. There is a huge twist at the end of this book. I would really do a disservice if I gave it away. And it's the kind of twist that makes you go back to the beginning and go, wait a minute, did I miss something? Really makes you want to go through the first part of the book again and say, oh, now I'm going to look at this whole thing differently because of what I know from what I found out at the end. It's, you know, like I say, if, if you are, if, if you're easily queasy or if you are a person who has eating disorders or maybe even has close friends with eating disorders, this may be very much of a triggering book, but it's a very original idea and it's well done. I mean, you, you get into believing that, uh, that all of this stuff is very possible. Casey, Casey is the name of the main character and, and he's pretty interesting. You find out things like he is the son of a very, very wealthy family. Apparently he has a ton of money at his disposal, but he chooses not to use it. He's, he is somehow estranged from his family and doesn't, hmm. you know, want much to do with their money. There are just all kinds of weird little hints and questions and suggestions that you track down in the course of reading through this book. It, it's a quick read. It's just over 200 pages long. You can gallop through it in a day or two. And if you're not easily queasy, it's a pretty fascinating book. Cool. And that is called Future Skinny by Peter Roach. Roach. R-O-S-C-H. I read a World War II book. What? what? The world is going crazy. And I definitely would not consider it YA. I would consider it just a, a historical fiction. I read The Ventriloquist by E.R. Ramsapore. And this cover of the book caught my attention because it had... Harry Styles. No. <laughs> That'd be an interesting read. But no, it, it had like a typewriter on the front and like bomber, like World War II bombers. And it was just cool cover. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Let's see what this is. And this book, what I liked about it being World War II is that it is not set in Germany. It's not set in England. It's not set in France or the places that you're kind of used to being in. It was actually set in Belgium. So it gives you a little bit of a different kind of vibe and area. And it's basically, there are a bunch of newspaper journalists who that was their job before the war. And of course the Nazis come in and say, no, nope, you're gonna write what we tell you to write because that's how we roll. And they write for Lesore, which has now been basically turned into Nazi propaganda. And the journalists and the publishers decide, hey, we're gonna make an underground paper, as well as the Nazi propaganda paper. And the Nazis kind of decide that they're gonna even take up not take it up a notch. So the, yeah, they're publishing this underground resistance. The Nazis track down the team and they say, hey, you know what? We're gonna turn your resistance newspaper that you've been writing into our paper to try to 
sway public opinion away from the allies and try to like trick people into thinking like, no, the allies aren't really coming. Like this is all bullshit. We're still in charge. Like this is not what's happening. So then they get the idea that they're gonna do their paper, but also gonna do underground newspaper. And they have this whole elaborate scheme. There's so many characters in this book and it starts off in the, I don't wanna say present because I'm not sure what the time frame is. It can't be too present because the some of the people are still alive from this newspaper journalist group. And it starts off with, there's a girl who shows up and like knocks on the door of, I won't say who it is cause it'll ruin it, but it knocks on the door of one of the survivors and they you're trying to piece together the story and the the survivor is retelling their story and what they know of how things went down and the whole book you're like okay how is this person that knocked on the door connected to this group like there's got to be a way that they're connected because they know this story that they shouldn't know basically so they make the the fake paper and it's making jokes about hitler and stalin and just trying to basically their own little form of resistance and the ventriloquist title comes from one of the characters who is really good at forging notes and letters. And he figures it out in school when he starts writing like late notes and doctor's notes for his friends and they believe all of them. And he's really good at changing his handwriting. And so he kind of becomes known as the ventriloquist. I think that's kind of where the title came from. And he has a huge role throughout the book and he's a very interesting and dynamic character. There's some names that pop up that you know, like Himmler makes some appearances. So it's not just, <laughs> you know, some name, like a cast of people that you've never heard of. And I meant to go back because the author's notes tell who in the book were real because the, the, the ventriloquist paper group actually existed, but I was getting very sleepy when I was getting towards the end of the book. Uh, and I didn't get through all the author's notes, but it did talk about that there was actually resistance newspaper groups like this group. And it just really walks you through the dangers of their lives every day, writing these papers. And they only had 18 days to pull it off. So they're basically trying to write two papers, one to keep Himmler's like minions thinking, yeah, they're working on our paper and we're gonna have this, the best propaganda newspaper ever coming out of Belgium. But then in the same breath, they're writing their underground stories and trying to find like embarrassing pictures of Hitler or pictures that make that they could alter to look make him look embarrassing and it does not go according to plan never does it, it never does but the way that they fix the plan when it goes wrong is almost better than the original plan i will say that i thought there could have been a few less characters because at times i was like whose voice am i in right now i don't know because they all had nicknames you have someone whose name is like the pyromaniac because this person is the one that when they need something caught on fire they're like hey can you go make a distraction and they're like yes and they go like nice. light something on fire <laughs> or and so it does take a little bit of time to figure out like who the code names are and they are listed in the front of the book so that does help but there were several times where i was kind of flipping back going, okay wait which character is this is this is this the lady that owns the brothel or is this the the pyro or is this the whatever? So there were moments where I thought it was a little heavy on name changes and like descriptions, but it could have just been a me problem. <laughs> it might not be an anybody else problem. 
but I can't give you too much because it gives spoilers and who lives and who dies and how they die and things like that or how they manage to live because that's the fun part of those stories because you know they're not, not going to make it but following the idea of trying to trick the Nazis at the height of like World War II and the the articles that they were the the ventriloquist was writing but there was like a bomber from England who was kind of like I would think of like the Red Baron kind of like he was just doing his own thing going or he's like oh you need a bomb here great here you go have a great day they were trying to like taunt him through the paper so like the ventriloquist was writing these articles as if he was fd fdr uh my president's orders out of my brain i don't know them at all so you're yeah yeah so he was writing like (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure he was writing as like churchill and being like oh bomber friend we love you you're such a great representation of england and you know, really, we want the Americans to have the win in Berlin. So, like, don't go there. And then, like, the Americans are like, thanks for helping us. But so, like, they're kind of going back and forth in the paper on, uh, like, trying to trick the bomber into doing what they want him to do to, like, come try to bomb the town through the paper. Because he's like, well, if he comes and bombs the Nazis, then it shows, like, hey, the Allies are paying attention to us or whatever. So it was, there were a lot of kind of hijinxes. And I really enjoyed it. It wasn't my like most favorite book i would give it like three and a half stars just because i got heavy in the characters and it got a little distracting it was good i think if you want something that's a little different point of view of world war ii it's a good option and that is the ventriloquist by e.r ramzapur and i'm sorry if i messed up your name but it (laughs) looks like it's spelled correct said that way to me (laughs) and roosevelt was president during world war ii he actually Mm -hmm died during World War II and Truman was president by the end of World War II. How funny, I did a thriller and you did a historical fiction. Yeah, I know. We were, you guys are weird. Yeah. We like flipped it. It's almost like you guys planned this out. It's like, uh-huh. it's like opposite day here it at the is. podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keep it fresh. All right. <clears throat> She's the one that almost slept through the podcast ex- instead of me, yeah. like I you usually do. You guys totally... <laughs> What, what was the name of that? She's uh, channeling her inner Vani. Yeah. Yes. I guess so. Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. The book that I read, I, I wasn't really expecting to review it. But because we started out this conversation today with um, talk about genes and when you were talking about the DNA. And- yeah. The different um, vegetables and the way things have changed over time. I thought, man, I got to review this book. This is All Over Creation by Ruth Ozeki. At first, I gave it four stars. And then as I was sitting here ruminating about it, thinking about it, I went and bumped it up because I, I really did love it. It is a story that is very complex. At its core, it's about the friendship of two girls who go through something. Well, one of them does, goes through something very dramatic, and the other one helps them through it when they're 14. The one main character's name is Yumi, but everybody calls her Yummy. And she ends up running away from home at 14 because of this thing that happened. And the story you hear throughout, you hear kind of her letters home, you hear the voice of her best friend who still lives near her house and is now taking care of her aging parents. And Yumi is nowhere to be found. Nobody's heard anything from her. 
And her friend, who still hasn't heard anything from her since she was 14 and ran away, goes looking for her and finds her. She's a, a real estate agent and a teacher at a college in Hawaii. And this is in Idaho that they're living. So she gets a hold of her because her father has been gravely ill and the mother has Alzheimer's. And so something has to be done to help them. So Yumi comes home and she's got three little kids named Phoenix, Ocean, and God, I can't remember. I think they call them something like Bean or something. I don't remember what the little, littlest boy's name is. And they're all from different fathers. And it doesn't sound like my typical kind of book, really. But the fun starts to come in when you get this group. They drive around the country in a bus that runs on French fry oil. And they're, they're hippies, basically. Resistance. They're resistance people. So their whole thing is to do these protests. And they go around in this potato costume called Mr. Spud or something like that and hand out flyers at grocery stores and stuff and talk about you know how bad genetic genetically modified um, potatoes and vegetables are so it what I found really interesting was the way she was able to weave those two things together the seeds of resistance is what they call themselves well it just so happens that Yumi's mother has a seed business where for years, she's been cultivating these rare types of heirloom seeds and selling them. Um, but they, they once were potato farmers, but see, over time, had to give that up because he's had several heart attacks, her dad. So their neighbors still grow potatoes. And so the, the friend of hers lives next door and is married to a farmer. And so there's a conflict that then comes in later on because the seeds of resistance, of course, eventually find the dad sends out these newsletters about, you know, how important the seeds are and they like glom onto him as their guru. So they show up there in this bus and you kind of watch the two groups sort of begin to meld together and form this weird kind of family. But at the same time, you also are getting a bit of the background about why Yumi never was in contact with anyone. It turns out that she has, she, she wrote multiple letters to her best friend, but her parents burned the letters when let her see the letters. And her father, you know, she, she had written to him and and their conflict, the reason that she left, isn't really revealed. You kind of, I knew what it was. Of course I knew what it was. Because you kind of can extrapolate that information from what you're getting. And it, it went into some really complex issues. She had, it turns out that she had had an affair at 14 with one of her teachers. So there's that in there. There's... Ew all of these different family connections and all of these other things. But at the same time, you have that sense of fun that comes in from the seeds of resistance. And it was so amazingly weird, but yet so wonderful at the same time. And it was able to address all of these things without making me feel like I was getting a lecture. Plus, you got all of this stuff about genetically modified stuff that came out 
And I, I just really found it super interesting. But was it great? Yes, it was. And that was called All Over Creation by Ruth Ozeki. She writes like you're a fly on the wall. The way she writes is absolutely brilliant. I read another book of hers, which I'm planning to review at the live event. So watch out for that one, because I liked it even more than this one. That was the full circle to the GMO stuff, which I thought was great. Ah, the Franken, yeah. the Franken potato. Franken potato. Yeah, yeah. Is that the Franken fry? Yeah, I think Franken Tater yeah. is the the usual Franken Tater. <laughs> yep. Description. Oh, here, here it is, Steve. The description it's of it. these dancing potatoes it was fucking hilarious. So now that we've come all the way back around, I would just like to point out that Martha's radio station was very triggering to me the other day when I was driving. Yeah. Uh -oh. Poor Megan. Very rude. Isn't it always? Yeah. I made her cry in her car. Not normally home. this bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what did you say? No, I was so, just playing the songs that freaked her out all all together. All wow. together. She played, there's one that like the last line of the song is literally like, um, I think about the one that got away. I think I, I remember his name every day or something like that's the line. And it made me think of my friend Alex from high school and then immediately played Evanescence. And Evanescence was like, Mm -hmm. I know that band. Yeah, but like I know his. Well, I know that band because he played it all the time, and so it was like back to back. And I was like, Martha, <laughs> poor Megan. I was like, I'm triggered. Very <laughs> <laughs> triggered. <laughs> You're nice that you have loyalty because when that shit happens, guess what I do? I go, oops. But I, love but I love she Evanescence. Loves, she so loves I wanted, feeling sad, too. I wanted <laughs> I to listen it. to Evanescence. It you was, wanted to be triggered. So did. really, Martha, did you a favor. She I did not want to be triggered. It just happened. <laughs> All right. Evanescence is a very good person to listen to when you want when you're sad and you want to listen to something hey, that you can, you can sing to very, exactly. very loudly and off key. <laughs> Okay, so you yeah. want to rage cry, rage cry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was a lot of eating in, in this particular. I think maybe we're hungry. I was there. We, we all just very hungry. Food. I was That's eating. Because here we talked about or know, we're trying to see the future. <laughs> I was just going to say, Pat, <laughs> right in the future. I, kept, I, mean, I kept thinking about that dude. And I was like, how does he get all that food? Like, doesn't his stomach shrink because he eats hardly anything? And then it's like. Oh my god! I don't think I could eat all of that food. What well, was know, it I again? I, I I might like, be able wouldn't to. Wouldn't at some point it just be like right here, and you'd be yeah. like, oh yeah. yeah. And if, if they kind of get to that description, and and he barely swat. I mean, he literally the descriptions of him just shoving food in Ugh. is a horrible way to tell the future. Yeah, I, I mean it's fascinating, be... and it's a good plot. Hey, I point, would be able to. I can tell the future if when I eat that much. That the I future will that you're going to throw that I am immediately going to be on my knees in front of the porcelain goddess. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, too. who can't eat a whole yeah. bag of Doritos and a cheesecake in one setting? That's nothing. And a pizza and chicken and stuff. Oh, no, too many. And that bottle of salad dressing. Oh, the bottle of salad God. dressing was kind of the point where I went, okay, no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it you depends. know what I looked up while we, while we were doing reviews and talking, I was fascinated by why ranch would have gluten in it. 
And apparently, and this is like going to be, this is kind of goes against what I would have thought, but if it's organic ranch, like the high end ranch, it has gluten in it usually <gasps> because they don't use artificial crap to thicken it. They use wheat. Oh. oh. So if you just get like Hidden Valley original, it's fine. But if you get Hidden Valley organic ranch, then you're going to die. Or at least be really uncomfortable. See, now we've learned something really important today about food. Don't eat organic ranch if you got gluten issues. Yeah. Wow. That's good to know. You know, I I was looking up similar stuff because I thought, well, just thickeners. When I think of thickeners, I think of cornstarch. And I looked it up. It's like, and cornstarch has no gluten. No. But flour does. So if you're using flour as the thickener, like me and my gravy. Yeah. I always use flour in my gravy. I always use cornstarch. So see, Vonnie can have Thanksgiving with me, but not with Martha. <laughs> We've already established that our cooking styles don't don't I think cornstarch is a northern thing. I and gravy butter. is like a southern thing. Dude, I'm not from the south and gravy is my jam. My mom always or my grandma always used cornstarch. My grandma used flour. Maybe it's a Midwestern we thing. We were Pennsylvania Dutch. So battle of the Grammys. Oh my. So there, it's not regional, so I'm trying to say to you. Yeah, oh. I think it just depends on where they, who they cooked with. Yeah. Well, apparently no I must be related to Keith in some long lost way because it sounds like our grandmas cooked the same way. Um, I got that all from the food channel. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't really get taught how to cook a whole lot. Okay, never mind then. Gosh. Yeah, I'm trying to make a connection, man. Trying down to for generations. Trying to make a connection. <laughs> my mom, my grandma also used bacon grease in a lot of things. I use bacon grease for in a everything. lot of things. Lard and real butter. I totally went shopping specifically for lard the other day. And you know how yeah. hard it is to find good lard? Thank God. Didn't you just buy I mean, no. good lard is an oxymoron? <laughs> well, Don't you do- I'm, Isn't Crisco just lard? No, no, no. no it's no, shortener, no. which is a little bit different. Oh, yes. You're Shortening right. You're right. is hydrogenized yeah. oil, yes. which is different. The reason yeah. I went looking for lard is I've, I've been on the Big search farm. for a while about finding the perfect tortilla recipe. Because when I lived down uh, in Houston, there's this Mexican restaurant called Ninfa's that has the most incredible tortillas I've ever eaten. They're very, very thin and very tender. Well, as I started to Google, the only ones that I could find that were like that are made with lard. So I'm totally trying those tortillas. See if it so you found lard. I did at, real lard at the Adkins Natural Grocery Store. Yeah, I would say you can find it. It's just not always easy. Sometimes you have to Amazon it and stuff. And they're very specific about their kind of lard. They say don't just get regular lard. You got to get back lard. From different parts of the pig, the lard is different. Yeah. Now, what's the um, fat that's around the um, around the organs that people cook with? They uh, cook on on British Bake Off. Yeah, and there's I can't something remember else. Called. That's called something else. That's not the kind of lard suet. you need for tortillas. <laughs> suet. You're right. Suet. That's right. It disgusts me. The look me, on but Pat's face right now. Yeah, it kind of grosses me out too. I'm but... just going. Suet is what you stuff seeds in and put it out for the birds that's not human food (laughs) it isn't it isn't the british bake-off they use suet i'm telling you when they're making like crusts pie crust is is the best when you use lard in it 
Uh, I make a good pie crust, and I swear by Crisco. Yeah. I use a lot of Crisco for stuff. Well, we, you know, we'll have to see we if the other. I, we'll have to see if the other book girls have any. Uh, any oh dear God! Oh. It's, it's going to be another butter debate. Butter <laughs> margarine debate. Here we go. Please let us know oh. how you like your lard. How many islands are we going to have? What are you, have a lot what do you do for your pie crust? Suet, lard, or butter? Yeah. We're going to have a. a I go lard, to Walmart. Suet, and I buy it in a box. A butter yeah. and a margarine. <laughs> I might have to switch from margarine to uh, lard. Just love saying it. Lard. Big like, old, I think it's so interesting when you cook in different regions, like being able to find like self-rising flour when I live in Ohio is there's some that are self-rising. There's some that are like, I forget what all, but when I was trying to bake some like fresh from scratch biscuits, I needed a like specific flour and I could not find it in Ohio. My mom had to bring it to me from Nashville because I couldn't get it in the North. Huh. Non-self-rising would be, yeah, yeah. all-purpose flour. Yeah, so it's still, it's still, I don't remember. There's one. It's something with the rising. I haven't made biscuits in a minute because last time I made them, they fucking sucked. So there's something I bought different. <laughs> I think self-rising just has like your baking powder and stuff already mixed into it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think you need, yeah. but I remember being real irritated that I couldn't fucking find it in the north because people up north weren't baking things from scratch. So they'd had different flours and it was frustrating. That's right, because we go to the Walmart and we buy our bread there and we buy our crust in a box because yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to admit that there is a certain. Listen, I'm from the north and I know how to make all that stuff from homemade if I want to. My grandma <laughs> made everything from homemade. I know how to do it. I just don't like including to. the filling to her all of her pies. She went to the freaking side of the road, bought it from the farmers, took it mm. home. Now I want some pie. Made her crust from scratch can, with lard. You, you, I Save feel some like money. our conversations often end in Martha saying she now she wants pie. It's because like, it doesn't take have, much for Martha to want pie. <laughs> accurate. There's really been like well, then, at least eight or nine podcasts where Martha just talks about how she wants pie. Let, we, let me tempt you, Martha, because I just bought half a box of fresh peaches from the col- from the <gasps> peach stand. Peaches from Colorado are coming up here. Oh my God, those are the best. We'll be Peaches doing tomorrow ever. is making peach pie. Oh. If Martha could teleport, she'd be there. Yep. Uh, could you peaches. make that into some cobbler? Oh, I love peach cobbler too. Mm. We also tend to record at food times. <laughs> That's also true. That is an issue so. for us. Yes, it is time for a snack. That's probably why it we always end up in the pie conversation. But truthfully, you could probably just say, Did you hear it's supposed to get it to 100 today? And Martha'd be like, That's pie season. That's time. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you need pie in the summer. You could put ice cream on top of it. <gasps> mm, it's a summer treat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Summer treat. And a yeah. fall treat. And a you winter know, treat. What, what is it? And the, a spring treat. The, the five things to Kevin Bacon. Oh, the five. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Martha has six degrees to pie. Like you could take any subject and she could at the max. Yeah, she could she could make that conversation about how it's time for pie. That's fair. I think I just need a shirt with a quote on it from me that says, It's pie time. (laughs) This pie time. Where's my pie? Now I know some guys who could wear that for a whole different reason. No, actually there's yeah, really. 
There's the American Pie time or just regular. Oh, Megan! Oh, and that's gonna do it for three, three book, book girls. girls. Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.